0: Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast. We're here at Fenway Park in Storied Boston. And speaking of stories, a great storyteller to my far right, Colonel Tim Nye. We have Dr. Sure Laura Pence, the mind doctor at Spartan. Getting you right. me down to Mr. Johnny. <laughs> we have Mary and her producer, who's always awesome. And her right-hand woman, Andrea, making sure we all sound good. Um, speaking of sounding good, Isaiah Kazavinsky. Um, first of all, I think it sounded very good the way he said his name. Yes,
1: that was fantastic. But,
0: um... 300 some interviews now. I'm going to put this one up as one of my very, very favorite. Oh, wow. Yeah, he really is. He was awesome. Isaiah, incredible guy. Yeah. So this is a guy, uh, eight year NFL player. Right. Um, Harvard educated um, and the cool thing started with nothing like really right. started in some hard situations and right. I learned so much from him about how to go from there to wherever you want to be. Right, That could be a magical podcast. Well this is a magical podcast. Well then we're lucky. Yeah. Hey, we're going straight to it. First I just want to mention we're here every Tuesday with Spartan Up Podcast. On Wednesdays Laura's got her own quick show. Spartan Mind. Spartan Mind where you just give really applicable lessons. Uh, Zach Evanesh on Thursdays with the Spartan Way and Kevin Galati's working on a special force right now as well which is um, meeting with athletes to talk about tips and tricks and things like
1: that Mm -hmm. awesome so join us because we'll be back at the end to kind of talk about what we get from this and what maybe we would encourage you to become available to get as well this
2: episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Aftershocks be open and hear it all with Aftershocks open ear headphones they deliver situational awareness and comfort that's unmatched by traditional in ear or over the ear headphones go to spartan.aftershocks.com and you can save $50 off a wireless headphone bundle (laughs)
3: We are here for Spartan Up Podcast. I'm with Isaiah Kazavinsky. Who the heck is that? NFL player. <laughs> Ex-NFL player.
4: Uh, that was one of the hats I wore across my life, but definitely not defined by it.
3: You, you But you grew up in, in poverty. You had a tough tough childhood.
4: Yeah, I grew up in poverty in upstate New York, uh, mm-hmm. youngest of five kids, fathered alcoholic and uh, homeless at, at uh, various times in my childhood. Knew at a very young age, sports, fitness, and academics so were
3: going to get me out of that. How do, most kids don't see that, that come from your background. How did that happen? Uh, I mean, you got to have parents typically that are pushing that.
4: Yeah, no, it def- definitely was. Both parents barely graduated high school, both were in orphanages. I um, had an unbelievable mother. Uh, uh, just absolutely, she was 21 when she graduated high school. She had failed three grades. And um, she had unbelievably high emotional intelligence and uh, knew how to shower us with love when we had nothing. And um, that really, really helped me. Uh, to really start to understand, a how lucky of a, 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 a situation I was in uh, compared to everybody else, um, you know, kind of being witness to her giving away her, you know, the coat off her back three different times in my childhood when we didn't have anything, um, it left a profound impact on my life. And starting to understand that I could control my life from uh, from a, a very very young age, and it was it was that not having a TV and reading uh, a massive amount of books, I. You know, we, we had a six hour every six hours every every Sunday we had to read books in my six hours straight. Six hours straight.
3: Spartan reading.
4: <laughs> I love I it. Had, we had to read, it and I was like, all right, I I have to uh, pick some you know some type of topics I really like, and I got into biographies. How did people get to the the you know, where Place they, got. they got to? We read a book on Dan Gable. I read a book on Walter Payton. I read a book on Babe Ruth. I read, you, and, and you I started. You don't need
3: see, more than that. I mean, yeah. I you, started to
4: see a trend. I was right. like, well,
3: they all. Um, A, what age were you reading when you are reading these books?
4: I uh, started reading them at 8, wow. 9, wow. 10, uh, and then found football, actually, at 9 years old. But uh, really started that common theme of hard work and uh, really sacrificing almost anything to achieve that dream, in this country especially, uh, where you can
3: control uh, your destiny in almost every single way. That's awesome. And so then high school?
4: Uh, so high school, I, I had had, uh, I, was, I was 14, I had a turning point in my life in high school. And uh, I wanted to make the varsity football team as, as, a, uh, as a 14-year-old, as a freshman, and I didn't. And I was just crestfallen. I was just, I was upset. I remember the night, like it was yesterday, because it was a turning point in my life. And I'd always talked about, hey, I'm going to work hard. I'm going you know, to do everything. I, I don't want to be in poverty. And,
3: you know, Were you big at 14? At like, should you have been physically? No, I was, I was like 160 pounds okay.
4: uh, at 14. But I uh, had it in my head that I, I, that's what I should be doing, um, uh, you know, what I thought was working hard. And I remember the night like it was yesterday. Couldn't get to bed at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, tossing and turning. Two in the morning hits, and it dawned on me. I could wake up tomorrow. I could dedicate my life to not looking back and having any regret. That's what I did. I made a and sign. And you think
3: you got that you think you got that from those six hour Sunday reading sessions? One hundred percent.
4: And it was it was just like dawned on me where I didn't want to look back and have any more regret. That feeling of regret yeah. that day. Yeah. Uh, and I made a sign that said let no one outwork you today. I put it on the uh, uh, on Are my ceiling. Phone? Wow. My, I still have it. My son has it now. Um, and I, I carried that with me through high school, through college, through the NFL, and I uh, never forgot. In, in the right corner of it, I said, but have fun because I knew it would be a pretty lonely journey, uh, but I, I want to try to find joy in
3: almost every it's pretty, single day. um Pretty forward thinking for a 14-year-old.
4: Uh, yeah i i
3: think i, a, I think the a circumstances, homeless that time 14 year old
4: but yeah it, it matches the circumstances you know we weren't homeless at that time we were kind of in and out yeah. uh, and, and had found some stability yeah you know, i think we might have moved you know eight different times in my childhood getting kicked out of yeah. places we couldn't couldn't make rent uh, but i remember um it kind of matched the circumstances as i look back and i've done just kind of some inventory of my entire life and that's the circumstances that i was in and I just, I did, I did not want to live like that anymore. And that was it. That was that. And I mean, you know, what you know, you could you could say that, but then you had to live it, right? And I had to, I had to live and hold myself accountable, and uh, to tell everyone around me that this is what I want to do.
3: You went public uh, with it. I went public with it. And and um, how did you live every day from there forward? Getting up,
4: uh, working out before school. You know, working out at 5 a.m., going to meet teachers at their classes uh, before before uh, school started.
3: Figured that out on your own,
4: on my own. And but but I will say this: there is you know one of the things that have been an absolute blessing in my life. I've had a lot of people that have loved me, men and women around the sports that I played. I played uh, football. Uh, wrestled and ran track. And also the teachers I've had in my life, they, they helped me. They were there for me to, to actually, uh, want to meet me at the gym at, at 5 a.m., to open it up, work out with me, uh, understand what to do. But, uh, you also kind of a dad that had, you know, now has been, you know, over 25 years sober, uh, and, you know, turned his life around to, to actually drive me to, to the gym early in the morning. Uh, you know, you know, kind of, I always, I always tell this story to my kids. Don't be afraid to ask questions because from that point on, in class, I was I was the annoying kid in class. I'd raise my I was raised my hand fifteen times, twenty times. It didn't matter, and yeah, the groans every single time I, I would raise my hand. I didn't care. I was gonna I was gonna you know live my own path, and, and finally though they, they died down, and there
3: became a respect factor on, on where I was going. It was a singular goal. And and so you're graduating high school now.
4: Graduated high school and kind of looked back. I went from kind of an okay student, like a B student uh to uh you know very near the top of my class uh you know a pretty big class at that uh and i'd always wanted to play for notre dame i found notre dame we had uh we had a uh we started we we got a tv kind of towards you know i got 12 13 years old and luke holtz was there and i got caught up into uh some of that mystery around that but i really really wanted to go to notre dame and uh Lou Holtz, I remember, you know, kind of uh, going through this process, but it told me that he didn't want me to walk on uh, at Notre Dame, and it was just absolutely crestfallen. Uh, and it's a pretty long story on how I ended up at Harvard, but I ended up at Harvard, and which, is, the which last is which place, is un,
3: which is unbelievable.
4: Yeah. It's unbelievable. Last place I probably would have ever thought of myself. I think I remember I took a trip there just to say, hey, I could tell my grandkids, you know, I took a I took a trip to Harvard and saw these. You know these these rich kids and yeah. these, you know kind of legacies and these, sure. you know, super nerds. I just didn't think I'd fit in. You know I thought about that and or get in or get in. Yeah, I mean the whole process. It it didn't dawn on me. At, uh, you know even at that time, like how amazing a place it was. But for different reasons until I I got there and actually took a trip and I just absolutely fell in love with it. There were people that were there that were like me, uh, especially especially around the football field. I think one of the things I was worried about were. Uh, did they? Were they? You know, I, I, was, I assumed everybody was, you know, was, was very serious about academics, but they were really very, very serious about sports and football in particular. And I found the same people there uh, that had really been kind of living my life. So I felt, felt at home. not alone. Yeah, felt, yeah, exactly. Felt uh, at home and not alone.
3: Exactly. And they accepted you?
4: I did absolutely. Uh, I had a reverse mullet coming out of high school. It was like a crazy haircut. I had red hair, obviously, I had hair at the time. But um, and I remember sh- showing up. Um, with a with a uh, with a ten speed I'd bought for ten dollars I heard before tire had popped so I was uh, rolling around in the first week of of camp uh, rolling around with a just on the rim so sparking up <laughs> rolling through Harvard Yard <laughs> like that uh, and I was accepted all the same across the board I think one of the biggest worries early on was my backup plan was to be a doctor I knew I wanted to play in the NFL and I, you know, I said if I work hard enough they're going to find me my backup plan was a doctor I remember that was kind of one of the pieces, which is, it was a massive load, uh, massive workload at that, and you know, I wasn't coming from a private school, I wasn't coming, yeah. coming background that necessarily fit that. But.
3: Probably not too many kids going for like, I want to be an NFL player or a doctor. Uh, well,
4: I knew you always got to have plans. I still kind of live my life like that, which is, you can try as hard as you want, and you, you know, there's, you know, you, you may know, or may not work. It may or may not work, yeah. and. You just, you know, for me and kind of that, that idea kind of when I was little, I just didn't want to look back and have any regret. No. I can, and I can be at peace with it. I can be a co- complete peace with as might, you might not like hard,
3: it. As long as you worked as hard as you could.
4: Exactly. And that's what I talk to my kids about every single day, too. But, like, for me, I felt absolute peace.
3: Why don't we, um, let's let's take a, a little break okay. here and uh, maybe we'll wrestle a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you didn't wrestle, did you? I didn't, but, um, but fine good
5: we'll be right back to the podcast but first we are talking about aftershocks headphones from beautiful lake tahoe where we're having our world championships um these things are awesome. You know, I I can't stand when it feels like I have stuff on me. And this just feels so light and easy. And it's like, can you even... You can't stand
0: stuff on it. Says a woman with a, a bone on her hat and a <laughs> leaf in the back of her head. Anyone who
5: Top of to, the head is fine. Anyone why. who watches
0: knows that Sephora spends a lot of time in nature.
5: Well, I mean, they're wireless, which is awesome. They're um, water repellent. So even if you're out there in the rain, it's great. And then there's no, like, cords or anything. So you can just run around and frolic freely and it's a good day
0: you know it's funny we're out here right now it's quiet it's the end of the day mm-hmm. there are still some birds you hear the racers coming down behind you i really like the fact that i've got good sound i can listen to music i can take phone calls on it's really good with phone calls whether you're out in nature listen to all this or in the airport or right. or riding your bike riding your bike is huge yeah um you know running because it riding actually
5: your... can be dangerous super dangerous super dangerous yeah, yeah. So it can run, yeah.
0: the other thing with these that i really like is whatever you're doing they stay on yeah um you know, if you're doing burpees, you're training, you're out there. Like, Headstands. Like really pretty, pretty much anything. Like there's yeah. nothing that you couldn't wear these for. And um, I, I, I'm going to tell you though, I had to be sold on them. When Marion first said, you know, that, that these were common and that I, that I should give them a try, I was doubtful because... The whole idea about conducting my ears, I didn't think was going to be great. Um, I'm I'm going to tell you, the sound is pretty good when you're wearing them with the ambient stuff around you. Yeah. But they come with uh, earplugs, too. And when you put those earplugs in, suddenly they are really deep, rich bass. It's like having, like, a really high-end headphone on.
5: Yeah, and they also pack up, like, into a really small case. And I have to think for, like... you know police or military and all these other applications where you need your hands free it's super awesome so with that said we're gonna go back to the episode but if you want um a deal on the wireless bundle go to spartan.aftershocks which is a-f-t-e-r-s-h-o-k-z.com and uh you get a deal on their wireless bundle and if you're canadian it's zed (laughs) blessings
3: um, all right. What I learned there is no wrestling with two hundred and forty pound <laughs> ex NFL players. You nearly killed me. We could do WWE style. No, uh, I don't even want that. No. out. you are uh, tough as nails. I think it was. The, I think it was the thing over your bed that um, just got ingrained, and in you're you're just relentless.
4: Yeah, I just. Uh, I I think part of that is understanding that there's a lot. Of You know, at a a young age, there's a lot of people hurting in the world. Not to feel sorry for myself, and then understand that you can control your own destiny. And not liking, uh, and never forgetting, you know, that feeling that of not having, of being made fun of. You know, you know, wearing the same clothes, not having a a, you know washer and washing and drying machine, wearing the same clothes day after day, just hating that feeling of being ridiculed, but not forgetting. What it was like to be that kid, to be ridiculed as well, which is which is fuel, I guess. It is, right? Absolutely, but not, not a fuel in a actually negative yeah. way. Is yeah. to always understand that there's a lot of people hurting. Sure, you don't understand why they're acting the, the way they are sometimes. So try to be as understanding as, as, as possible. I think that's really served me well uh, in a variety of different ways, both as an investor and an entrepreneur. To, to always put yourself in, in someone else's shoes. Why are they making the decisions they are? And really kind of think through that in a thoughtful way. H-
3: How did you get in the NFL? Uh, that's a crazy story. And
4: uh, so I, if, if you're familiar with NFL Combine, uh, so I was the only four-year starter. Uh, yeah, I started all 40 games at, at Harvard, starting uh, showing up at camp fifth in the depth chart. I won the job in two and a half weeks. Uh, wow. First in, in a position I, they had plopped me at. And I uh, ended up becoming an Ivy League rookie of the year that year and then became an All-American by my senior year. And always kind of came back to the same thing. And I remember being fifth in the depth chart and being my first time away, at the first time I would ever been away from home. Just scared and homesick. And my mo- my mother had actually passed away uh, my senior year in high school, just feeling just so, so alone, but having that team there, but also saying I'd never been in that position of fifth in the depth chart, didn't like it. And I was like, all right, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna come back and go back to the basics and not feel sorry for myself come back uh, that first day of practice and show what I can do, and I was I was crazy. Tried to turn the volume all the way up, treat every single play, uh, not practice, but every single play like it was my last play. So I was chasing wide receivers, you know, 80 yards downfield, popping the ball out, annoying the shit out of everybody. And uh, the coaches noticed, and I went from fourth, to third, <laughs> to second, to first, just unrelentless. I had no no idea what I was doing. Uh, but you know, at a middle linebacker, if you're willing to run and hit and sort of line up the right way, I uh, could do that. And they figured I could learn the rest of, uh, along the way. But you know, kind of that relentless attitude uh, bore it, bore itself out there. Not getting invited to the NFL Combine after coming off uh, you know a campaign where I averaged 14 tackles my my senior year, and uh, was was unbelievably deflating and. You know, they, they, I think they invite close to 400 athletes and they only draft you know, 240 or something sure. uh, to, the, to the NFL area. So usually it's kind of the kiss of death. You're not, you're not invited to that. I remember not being invited and, and coming back. I was like, all right, what am I going to do? And I had to devise a plan. I was like, all right, listen, I know there's a first-round draft pick coming out of Boston College. It's Chris Hovind. I don't know if you remember the name, but you got to be in a first-round draft pick to Minnesota Vikings. Everybody else... All the teams are going to be flying in to see him at some point. So I, I asked our coaches at Harvard, listen, if your network of coaches and scouts, everybody in teams, could you just call them, and uh if they're coming into town, I'll, I'll do a combine for them. You know, soup to nuts, everything. I'll do the whole combine, the whole deal. I ran 14 combines uh for for people that would fly in impromptu and uh ended up sneaking in it's, it's a pretty long story but I ended up s- sneaking into to uh the fourth round it became the highest highest draft pick out of Harvard uh ever and wow. uh, it was just amazing i think at, at that point i was one of the highest since the the combine air was one of the highest draft picks ever uh, not invited to the combine
3: to to sneak in. It's unbelievable this story. I mean, I'm feeling pretty deflated.
4: <laughs> oh, get out of here!
3: <laughs> and and but at the same time, I mean, you had it pretty easy, and you're very lucky. So you didn't really do anything. <laughs> <This is> special.
4: <laughs> no, I, I will say this. I always go back to the same thing. There's a. Unbelie- it, it wasn't just me. It was a, a lot of people that believed in me, yeah. that loved me, and um, never. You know, my mom passing away at, uh, at a young age when I was a senior in high school was, was something that I, I, it really allowed me as an 18-year-old to, to reflect on all the learnings that she had given me that even some of them maybe didn't even fully appreciate uh, when, I was, when I was young. Just, just an amazing woman, amazing individual, and just had a horrible life herself, but refused to give anything
3: but an amazing life to her kids. What, um, how do you go from that to becoming a VC? um so my backup plan was to be a doctor
4: uh, if i didn't make it in the nfl and i just like just give me a shot just give me one and kind of give me the foot in the door uh you know i ended up playing eight years uh in seattle and uh, you know seattle most of the time six years there a year in st louis and a year in oakland and i was one of the captains of our super bowl team the first super bowl team in seattle just amazing amazing uh kind of rise from you know being kind of an you know, a really bad team to a team that uh, the city went crazy for. And um, started investing, so knew nothing. I remember getting handed a, a paycheck. I don't know if this is like this for you, because I know you were an entrepreneur at a very yeah, young yeah, age. I was yeah. handed a paycheck, and uh, my signing bonus, I was, you know, I don't know if you read the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, it was like that, that moment, I was like, holy crap, I know nothing about uh, money. finance, money, everything. Yeah. I was like, all right, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna learn everything I can about the public and private markets. I hired a financial advisor to pepper the crap out of them. Learned everything I could. Hired a new one. (laughs) Learned everything I could. And after two years of that, I was like, all right, listen, I'm ready to, to kind of dabble into own direct investments myself. And that's what I did and um, ended up... You were
3: in a good place in Seattle.
4: So Amazing spot, but I ended up investing in one of my classmates, a guy that was a Harvard football player and um, my first investment was a, was a healthy, fast, casual restaurant called Be Good. And now I know Be Good, yeah, that's right. And I was, a, I was, a, I was a, yeah. a seed and kind of initial nice. uh, startup investor there and it's been an amazing run. Nice. Anthony Ackle was someone that, that I knew it, it always kind of, but he would he would let me sit and by the way, I was the first investment I mean, it, it, they always tell players, don't invest Invest in friends, and don't invest in restaurants. And you (laughs) checked the box on Uh both. ended up being just an amazing story. He's done, you know, ridiculously well. He's done well for all of us early investors as well, and um, just been, uh, you know, kind of amazing. But he would let let me sit with him in off seasons. I would learn how to run businesses just getting kind of curious, uh, be operationally efficient and you know, build products across the board. But you know, continue to build off any uh, of those companies. My personal portfolio now is a little over thirty companies. Wow. So started angel investing around there, but always kind of by the time I had retired was pretty beaten up. I had nine surgeries. I've had eleven now in the body. So I just just you know kind of I, I ended a little earlier than I wanted to. I, I wanted to play 10 years. Uh, didn't, um, uh, realize though my kids were young and I was like, alright, I don't want to miss their childhood, especially with the that I had. I don't sure. want to miss that. If I go to medical school, I'm going to, that's going to be got, all wiped out. So. Business and kind of my my kind of self taught or you know kind of learned uh, you know business degree up to that point. Sure. Uh, I want to put a little kind of knowledgeable base on <laughs> around that, and that's I decided to go to business school and wanted to stay here in Boston and I'm being lucky enough to go to Harvard. Yeah,
3: and Harvard you could just at this point you just call Harvard and say I'm coming back and no, they no. <laughs> I mean you. <laughs> no, 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 no. That no, was a
4: crazy rigorous process again. Got I had to go, yeah. you know, crack open a book again, and you know from you know the GMAT and you know that. It wasn't just like, "Hey, Isaiah, you're amazing. Come back in." It was it, it, it was not going to work like that, especially with Sorry. my background yeah. too. It was it was. It was
3: uh, so you're yeah. living here now in Boston? Yeah, living right outside of Boston,
4: uh, and uh, I've got got two two kiddos. I got a 15 year old. I got a freshman in high school, nice. and, and a 12 year old, a boy
3: and girl. And, and do they have anything yeah. above their bed? Uh, no, no, but my son, my son has
4: the sign, and I, you know, I want them to be able to. And I, I always try to empower them. Like, listen, I, you don't have to do anything I did. I just right. whatever you do, you got to do it with everything yeah. you got. Six hours of reading every week? No,
2: I, well,
4: <laughs> I try to get them to do that. Yeah. That's that's what we're really like. We could talk about that, uh, you know, till the college come home. But you know, I, you know, and then you know they, they're growing up differently than, than than I have.
3: And my wife, my wife was my my husband. Why don't senior. we do a kid swap? let's do it (laughs) right because you can then push mine as hard as you want and I can push yours right? yeah it's amazing sometimes your kids just don't you know in one ear out the other aren't going to listen but yeah just focusing
4: on just being grateful for what you have and regardless of where you came from controlling your destiny is kind of is one of the big pieces which is doesn't matter if you're born with a silver spoon doesn't matter if you're born with nothing
3: that's right it's what you do with your life you're awesome. Three, right. three, you. ta- three takeaways um, from that amazing story for people out there listening or watching. What would you say? Must do's in their life. Stay positive. Work hard. And dream big. All right. That's easy. All right? Stay a positive. A little cheesy on the last one. That's though. all right. No. Dream, I like that. Good stuff. You're awesome. You're awesome. awesome. Thanks, you're awesome.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having
3: me on. And the Spartan T, by the way, is going to change your life. This is yeah. amazing. You haven't had a lot of luck or success since the Spartan T. Now it's really going to happen. Now it all happens. Now it starts.
0: <laughs> so there's a million things we can take from that. Can you imagine settling for Harvard?
6: Yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah. get into my first choice, but thank God I had Harvard on the list, too. He's, he's just another <laughs> average run-of-the-mill guy, right? Walking down the street, another knuckle dragon football player. <laughs> Pretty incredible guy. Very cerebral. Yeah. Well like you just said I mean he'd set his goals early yep. uh he he got he got um uh pulled into the, the Notre Dame by watching the games every yeah. weekend, you know, like oh, thousands of probably young men do, and wanted to go there and didn't get there, but he got a hell of a second second prize, didn't he? Well, and, and even that, you know, you think about the things that the failures
0: in your life, not getting into Notre Dame, uh, still just the motivation of that probably drove him a long way towards his ultimate success. So having that that target, even if he didn't hit it, it certainly steered him in the right direction.
6: Yeah, you know, I almost wonder, because it didn't come out in the interview at all, and it's not what I took from the way he spoke or anything. But from the way his, his achievements line up, it's almost the guy with the chip on his shoulder trying to prove something either to himself or to somebody else, right? Yeah. Now, he didn't sit there and say that like, I was always mad or I always – in fact, it was quite the opposite, right? Yeah but here here's a guy who many times had to go a, a different route mm-hmm. a, a second effort yeah. kind of thing and and just kind of knocking down all the challenges in front of him when he talked about being fifth on the depth chart yeah. and just boom 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 working his way up quickly mm-hmm. but you know what a blow to your ego you're the all american middle linebacker in the NCAA and you don't get an invitation to the in, to the NFL combine? He did mention he had a bit of a chip at his shoulder uh, yeah, about that one. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. who wouldn't, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: no kidding. Well, and you said Cerebral, when sitting in the room watching Joe interview with him, I – I mean, I honestly saw like this light of love, you know, and he said that his mom was super emotionally, emotionally intelligent and knew how to love. And I love like that to me, it just landed on him so well, you know, and may we all learn from that, that, you know, we can have a lot going up in here, but if we don't have, a full heart here, we're going to come up short.
6: He got very, very fortunate there. And I'm sure many people do, but I, I have a similar background in that both, he said both of his parents were orphans. One, my mother was an orphan and my father never knew his father and was only lived with his mother his whole life. So, so the point is, as we parent, we learn from our parents. You learn yeah. how right. to do this stuff. Right. He had two parents that didn't have any role models, probably he didn't have a background, you know. So you get very lucky that his mother had that capacity because you wonder where she learned it.
0: Yeah. And I thought where it was, did she get it from. I thought it was pretty gracious, too, because, I mean, he talked about how it was so hard at the start and his dad had severe alcohol issues and that, you know, it was kind of a uh, grew up around some abuse and some some pretty terrible situations. And then he he gave his mom the credit and said she was our rock. She was always there for us. But I also thought it was gracious that he said, you know what? My dad turned his life around too. And ultimately he was the guy driving me to practice. So he didn't, while there, you know, that probably drove him, you know, as a young man to try and prove himself, um, he didn't make it a lifelong, um, uh, resentment. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I that thought was pretty great. But he also said that along the way, there were some very uh, impactful adults, teachers who actually noticed that he cared and, mm-hmm. and would go and meet him early to take uh, coach or, or counsel him and things like that. And, um, so, you know, in some ways, you know, we can say he was fortunate that way as well to have these great adults, but he also created that fortune because not every kid goes and says, Hey, can I meet you
6: before class? So you can get an extra hand. And right. Yeah. Well, right. He was fortunate not to have a TV Absolutely. So so again, we've talked many times about distractions. From whatever circumstances, he didn't have some of the distractions that other children would have. So he he didn't have the TV. So he had to do internal things. right? right? And one of those things was reading. And he developed or his mother created an environment to to, uh, give him a love of of reading and learning. And how amazing, too. You know, he mentioned he loved his comic books. But he also said, yeah, I started reading
0: biographies around eight
6: right yeah he was <laughs> yeah. of great humans. yeah. and then he was right. yeah and but you know a lot of more sports figures yeah sure you know again yeah. which you drive which is normal for a young man right yeah. a young boy and so drove him in that direction yeah incredible um the other thing i took from
0: that and he didn't use these exact words but you'll you'll appreciate this from a psychology standpoint he developed an internal locus of control yeah. very, very young, yeah. and he realized that if I'm going to make something happen, I can't count what's it. going on out there. Right. I can't say, oh, well, I can't because of or because of. I actually heard a great thing a while ago, and it was, um, you can say because, mm-hmm. which is always an excuse. Why did it happen? Because, because, or you can say Because. I'm going to be the cause of what happens in my life, and he yeah. said early on that instead of because it's be cause, right, right, I, yeah. So uh, and he was such a great example of that, you know, like where every single thing he did, he is the guy who decided this is what I'm going to do, and I'll do it no matter what, yeah, and not out of spite, but just out of determination.
1: Yeah, he really took ownership, I think, which which is is so critical when we move forward in our life is to be able to really know that like we we have the reins, right? For what happens next. Like we have the feet that can push down the pedal. We have the feet that can push down the brakes. And so which one are we going to use at any given time? And he used, you know, the pedal that pushed down, go forward.
6: Yeah, There's a little bit of luck as there always has to be, right? There has to be an element because he talked about later when he, when he had some money. After years in the NFL, and he was starting to look for the investments. And he said, everybody told him, you don't invest in friends, and you don't invest in restaurant. restaurants. And he said he did them both. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and he got lucky. Right. Uh, right. Uh, but, well, he had yeah. belief in the person. He sure, knew yeah. the person. But again, it's
0: tough. On that note, though, you look at so many players, and they'll say, yeah, you know what happened? I got the money. I didn't know what to do with it. And my my uh, financial investors threw me the wrong way, and now I'm in this mess. And he said he got the money, had no idea what to do with it. And he went, oh. I have this money. I don't know what to do with it. I guess I'd better learn. Yes. So exactly. when he hired a financial advisor, it wasn't take care of my money. It was show me what to do. And he learned it just like he learned everything else. So I thought, you know, you're absolutely right that, um you know, he probably made some fortunate investments, but instead of just being lucky that his investor, Advisor told him what to do. He studied it and learned it, and like really dove
6: in and tackled that.
1: Well, and I love too that he hired an investor and then he hired another one to learn again. Yeah. You know, so it you wasn't just, just like exactly, yeah. exactly. So,
6: who's the famous rock star? that said he spent all his money. Asked where did all his wow. money go? Well, a couple He's of said, he, he said drugs and women, and then I blew the rest.
0: Yeah, I spent ninety percent of my <laughs> drugs, women, and fast cars, and probably just wasted the other ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just—it's funny. This guy, I wrote down this one word, and it just kept coming back to me. Pretty massive guy, big guy yeah, sitting yeah. there, and. And I thought, you know, he had massive curiosity. He had massive drive, yeah. massive perseverance, massive resiliency, massive gratitude. And then he had massive success, but he still had massive humility. Mm-hmm. Like you, he just that sort of gosh shucks way of being like, he's like, oh, Joe, I'm just so lucky to be here. And like, dude, you're a pretty accomplished guy. And I thought that was really neat that he never seemed to have lost that. Just a humble guy
6: yeah but 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 again, that is it seems to be a fairly common trait and in, in a lot of these very successful people we run across we've had very few people sit in a chair here or, or talk to Joe and pound their chest and say, "Look at me, yeah, sure, you know sure. We, it just i don't think you know if you're going to be that guy, well, one it's probably not going to be attractive to us, sure or yeah, to yeah, Joe yeah. That, you know for sure, so, but I would agree with what you're saying hundred percent hmm Awesome. Well, now that we're in agreement, let's go ahead. How about you agree to come back next week? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> nice
2: job. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Aftershocks. Be open and hear it all with Aftershocks open ear headphones. They deliver situational awareness and comfort that's unmatched by traditional in ear or over the ear headphones. Go to spartan.aftershocks.com and you can save $50 off a wireless headphone bundle. Thanks for listening to Spartan Up. If you like our show, spread the word. Then subscribe wherever you watch or listen so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back here every Tuesday with Joe and the team, sharing interviews with high achievers. Then stay on track with quick hits of motivation and advice. Wednesdays, Spartan Mind with Dr. Laura Pence. Thursdays, Spartan Way with Zach Evanesh. Sundays, Spartan Health with Dr. Nata Milosevic. And if you're looking for even more, we've got tons of articles at spartan.life.com. See you next week.